My name is David and I have three scripture readings today to complement Jeremiah's address. The first is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The second reading is from John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. The third reading is from Luke chapter 9, verse 27. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. George. My name is Jeremiah and I'm privileged this morning to be sharing with us. I'll start with a word of prayer. Dear God, we just want to thank you for this time together in your presence. Thank you for we know that you are a good God and you have plans for us. Lord, we pray that you will reveal yourself to us this morning and you will help us to see your mind for us. We ask for clarity. We ask for simplicity of your word. Lord, we pray that your word will bless us. 
both the speaker and the heirs. And you will give us grace to be doers of your word. Thank you, almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, my name is Jeremiah. And for those who have heard me talk in front of the church before, I try to put everything I want to say in the PowerPoint so that you can follow. Because I have a very strong accent, which is obvious. So, just follow the PowerPoint, and I'm sure you'll be able to get most, if not all, of everything I want to say. And my PowerPoint can be very clumsy. Just bear with me. I want to believe that this morning we want to be talking on the topic, the cost of following Jesus. The lessons from the sea. And thank God Rob is in church today because I believe that's his area of expertise. He has traveled a lot on the sea. So you can always tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I want to speak on the cost of following Jesus. I want to learn from the seas. I want to learn from the life of a man particularly. Following Jesus. Let's start with the foundation. The Bible says, this was the passage I was hoping I put in the last scripture on David read, but I think it was. Jesus said, then Jesus said to all the people, if any of you want to be my followers, you must forget about yourself. You must take up your cross every day and follow me. That's the basis. That's the foundation of following Jesus. You must, he said to all the people, both young and old, rich and poor. So it's general. He said it to everyone, both those who are following him and those who have not. He said it to everyone. If any of you want to follow me, it is voluntary and conditional. Jesus is not forcing anyone. If you decide to follow me, that if is very clear. If you have chosen to follow me, it's a condition. It's a choice. He said it to all the people, if any of you. And the number three thing is that it is the same rule, the same standard for all. It doesn't say, okay, for those who of you that have been following me for a while, these are your conditions. For those who want to start now, these are your conditions. No. The same standard, the same rule for everyone. And the number three thing, number four, Jesus said the rule, and the standard. This is how you will follow me. It is an everyday following. You can't say, okay, I followed you today. I'll take a break. Tomorrow I'll come back. It's an everyday thing. So before you sign up for it, you need to understand what you are signing up for. You need to be sure Will I be committed to this every day? Can I do this every day? He said, you must take up your cross every day. So you can't say, oh my God, yesterday was so tiring. Today, I don't want to follow Jesus today. No. 
It is an everyday thing. So that's why it is conditional. If you decide to, if you have chosen to follow me, you should know that it's an everyday thing. You are signing up for an everyday activity. You follow me every day. Oh, sorry. And also, Jesus is not desperate for followers. He's not saying, oh, well, I need more people now. Let's just get everybody on board. No. A man came to him in Matthew chapter 19. And he said, what can I do? I've been doing this. I've been doing that. And Jesus said, wow, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You've done, it. You've done a lot. But you just need to do one more thing, which is sell all your properties, give them to the poor, and follow me. And that man said, ah, no, sorry, I can't do that. And he left. And Jesus did not run after him. Jesus didn't say, okay, come, come, let's negotiate. What can you do? No. Jesus just saw him walk away. Okay, bye. He is not desperate. There was a time he gave the disciples the condition too. He told Peter and others. The Bible said he turned to them in John chapter 6. He said, do you want to go? He is not desperate for followers. And also, following Jesus comes at a cost. It is not cheap. From what Andrew shared with, Andy shared with us in his um, call to worship, it is not cheap. I'm not talking about monetary value now. It is not cheap. It is expensive. It is costly. Not in terms of monetary value. Let's move on. Types of followers. Those who follow Jesus for the benefit. In John chapter 6, the Bible says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Some people just follow Jesus. Oh, I've been hearing about this Jesus. He's doing an amazing thing. I think I want to follow him too. Some people decide... Some of you came to, Christian, to faith through that. They became Christians through what they've heard about Jesus and say, okay, I think I'm going to give this a try too. I'm going to give it a go. Um, please, if I'm speaking too fast, let me know. I'm happy to slow down. I don't know. Okay, Mike is there. So he tells me every time. So just let me know if I'm speaking too fast. So there are some people who follow Jesus for the benefit because of what they want to get from him. And those, and the second set of people are those who follow Jesus to a point. In John chapter 6, verse 66, the Bible says that from this time, many of, this, of his disciples turn back and say, Nah, I think I've had, I've had enough. I'm done with this thing. I'm done with this Jesus thing. I don't want to follow again. And number three, the set of people the committed followers. People like Peter, who said to Jesus, then Peter said to him, we have given up everything to follow you. And that's the story of some of us. We've been following Jesus for so many years. 
We've given up everything. They committed followers. We've been with Jesus since we were a teenager, 40 years, 50 years, 20 years. We've been walking with him. And these are the set of people we want to look at today. The committed followers. Those who have been following Jesus for a long time. The Sea of Galilee. That's where it all started. As we have read previously, Jesus saw them on the Sea of Galilee fishing. And he went to them. I want to assume or believe that every one of us have had our own Sea of Galilee experience. The day we met Jesus. The day Jesus met us. The day, the defining moment of our life where we say, now I'm turning to Jesus. Now I'm following Jesus. I want to believe you've had that moment. It is not about, oh, I was born into a Christian home. No. It's about that very day you said, I'm following Jesus today. So, that's the starting point, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. That was the defining moment for Peter to say, today, I'm following him. Today is the starting point. Now, what does this Sea of Galilee represent? It represents the life we had before we met Jesus. That very thing we were doing. That very thing we were committed to before we met Jesus. That life we had. The place of false love. Peter has been a fisherman, oh, fisherman all his life. For some of us, we had things we've been doing all our life. Things we enjoy doing. For Peter, it was fishing. That was his life. It is also a place of comfort and exploit. I could imagine I was talking to a client who loves fishing. And it was the way he was talking about it. Like, oh, I remember when we went 17 kilometers into the um, ocean and we caught this big tuna. I waited. He enjoyed talking about, about it. I was like, it's just fishing. To me, but to him, it's more than fishing. He got his license some days ago and he was just talking about it. It's a place where we talk about our exploits and say, I remember when I used to do this. I remember I enjoyed doing this. I remember doing this. I remember this very day. It is a place of exploits. You talk about it. And also, it could also be a place of frustration and anger and regret. When Jesus has delivered us and you go back to that thing again, you feel like, oh my God, I've done this again. Why do I keep going back to this life every time? Why do I keep doing this every time over and over again? Jesus has told me that what? From now on, you're no longer doing this again. You'll be fishers of men. But now here am I on this fishing trip again. It could also be a place of sadness. You just feel like, when will I stop doing this? I need to stop. I don't want to do this again. It's a place where we cry for help. A place of encounter, confession, and the realization of, je- of sin. And more importantly, it's a place where Jesus comes over and over again. He's always there. 
when we go back to that thing, he'll come back to us and say, hey, I've said you're no longer doing fishing business again. It comes over and over again. Jesus is always there trying to rescue us. Remember how many times Peter got in the trouble on the sea? He would go again and go and fish, caught nothing. Jesus would go there and tell him, hey, we said you're not doing this again. Let me move on. Now, as I said earlier, earlier, Jesus has told Peter, you're no longer fishing again. But, let's move on. I'm not going to read this Bible passage, but just look at the highlighted part of it. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. How did it start? It was Peter. The man Jesus has already told, I am delivering you from this life. You can't go back to this thing again. What did Peter do? He said, I am going out to fish. He went back again. So, Jesus went there. This conversation is the centerpiece of the message today. I pray God will help me to say it the way you want me to say it. He said, Simon, do you love me? Son of John. Do you love me more than this? Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the part I want us to focus on is this. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter was like, why are we having this conversation? Do you remember how many years I've been following you? Do you remember all this time, what we've been through together. I have a life. I have a family. But I spend more time with you. I've spent most of my life with Jesus. So why are you asking me if I love you? You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when people came to come and arrest you, I pulled out my sword and I fought for you. I love you. Why are we having this conversation? Peter was but another version says he was grieved. Like, Jesus, why are you asking me if I love you? I've been following you since the beginning. We've walked together. We've prayed together. You even told me that you've handed to me the key of the kingdom. So why are you asking me if I love you? And I know that for some of us too, and this is why I want to use an imperfect illustration. But before I use that illustration, I want us to read this passage. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 15, the Bible says, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. If they had been thinking of that place they have left, they would have gone back. That's just the summary. Now, this is the imperfect illustration I want to use. Some of us have been married for 20 years, 30 years, 15 years. Let's assume your wife is able to read mind. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> Let's assume that your wife is able to read your mind. And one day, you come back from work, tired, 
exhausted. You've had a terrible day at work. But your, your wife is able to read your mind and she has seen that all these years that you have been married, you have been thinking about your high school girlfriend. And she saw that you even have a plan that if anything happens to this marriage, I'll go back to my high school girlfriend. And as you come back from work that day, tired and exhausted, she welcomed you with a big hug, a big smile, a kiss, and said, I've prepared dinner. Come and sit down and eat. And you sat down like, thank you. And as you were eating, she sat with you and with a curious face and asked, and call you by your first name and last name. <laughs> Jeremiah, son of Shreton. Do you love me more than this? And you look at her and answer to, come on, you know I love you. And she kept quiet. After a few minutes, you were still eating and enjoying the food. She looked at you again. Do you love me more than this? By now I know the food will start losing taste in your mouth because you'll be wondering, what's going on here? You look back again and say, you know I love you. And after a few minutes, the third time, she looked at you again and asked for the third time, do you really love me? I know by that time, you will stop the food and be, you'll be grieved just like Peter was. What are you talking about? What's going on? So Peter was looking at it from a perspective, but Jesus saw more than that. Peter was all like, we've been through everything together. You know I love you. You know I will do everything for you. But Jesus is saying, do you really love me? And what was Jesus addressing? It was Peter's backup plan. All along, Peter has been thinking about going back to the sea. That's why at the first opportunity when Jesus died, after Jesus died, and everything has surrounded up, and Jesus has shown himself to them and everything, Peter told the disciples, I am going back to fishing. I had a life before Jesus came. I was doing something. So when Jesus came to him, that's why Jesus had to go back to him at the Sea of Galilee. I was asking, do you really love me? I know you've been following me. I know you've, we've been through everything together. I know you've, you've done everything. But you still have that undying love for the sea. You still want to go back. And for some of us, it's not a backup plan. It's just a recreational visit. Well, I'm not a Christian. I, I don't tell lies as I used to. Now I only tell white lies or when it's necessary. Jesus is saying, you can't have a backup plan. You can't say, I'm no longer a fisherman. As a, I'm no longer doing fishing business. 
I just fish for recreational purpose. Jesus is saying, no recreational purpose. No backup. Everything is gone. You can't, you can't think about it. You can't do it for fun. You can't say, I'm no longer an active sinner. I only sin when it is necessary. Jesus is saying, you can't have any of those again. You can't do it again. You can't think about it. You can't just say, oh, it's just for one time. I'm just going to do it one off. Jesus is saying, no. That's the cost of following me. Everything has to go. Everything. I want everything. I want all of you. I don't want to share. You give me your all. You give me everything. You can't think about it. You can't have it as, well, if Jesus fails, I'll go back to this. No, you can't have a backup plan. That's the cost of following Jesus. You can't say, well, I won't, I won't, I won't do it as much as I used to now that I'm following Jesus. Jesus is saying, you can't do it at all. I'll do it once a month. Maybe, oh, before I came to Jesus, I was, a, I was an alcoholic. I drink a lot, but now I only get drunk on Christmas Day. Jesus is saying, no, you can't get drunk at all. I used to be very mean to people before I came to Jesus, but now I'm only mean to certain people. Jesus is saying, no, it has to go. It has to go. All or nothing. Everything, that's what I want. I've given you my whole and I'm not expecting less. As he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interest, and take up his cause daily. Expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. And follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living and if need be. Suffering, or perhaps dying because of faith in me. It's not cheap. This is the expectation. This is the cost. That what? You must, you must express any willingness to endure whatever may come. And you must do it daily. That's what Jesus wants from us. That's the expectation from following Jesus. You can't do, it, you can't do what you're doing before. That life you had before you came to Jesus. You can't have it as a backup plan. You can't go back to it for fun or for recreational purpose. And you have to follow me every day. It sounds difficult, though. Am I right? Yeah. That's why it's, it's following Jesus. What can I do? I need help. Just as many of us. We need help. So, how do we meet this high standard? Because it seems almost impossible to say, God, this is like turning to an angel. How am I going to, 
How am I not going to even think about it? How is it possible for me not to even reminisce about my past? And how I used to enjoy. You can imagine Peter, maybe just walking by the sea. And he looks at other people fishing. And he feels like, wow, look at that guy. I used to be like that too. It's normal as human beings. That's part of being human. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you can't do that again. So how can we get there? How to follow? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, this is what Jesus offers us. He said, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptation. He understands, he sympathizes with our weaknesses and temptation. But one who has been tempted and knowing exactly how it feels to be human, he knows what we are talking about. He knows that feeling that we have. He understands it. He has been there. He has done it before. He knows what we are talking about. So he's not talking about, he's not talking about it because he's an angel or because he's God. He's talking about it because he has experienced it and he wants to help us to meet that standard too. So we have one that understands all this. So let us come. And that's the key. We must come to him. No pretending. You can't say, okay, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm just going to present, uh, present myself as an holy person, that I'm very holy, very righteous. No. You need to come and tell him, God, I'm still thinking about my past life. I'm struggling with it. I have it as a backup plan. I need to be honest with you. I have a backup plan that if you feel me, I'll go back to this thing. You need to come. I need to come. That's the key. We need to come to him and let him know, God, I'm tempted to go back to my fishing business. I'm tempted to go back to the sea. I'm tempted to go back to my past life. When I see other people doing it, I want to do it too. I need help. The key is coming. And you don't come once. That daily was not there. I put it myself. You must come daily. Every day. That's what it means to bear your cross every day. You come to him. God, thank you for helping me yesterday with that. I'm here again today. I need help. If you don't help me today, things will go wrong. Daily, daily, daily coming to him. That God help me. I don't want to go back to that life. I don't want to go back to the sea again. I don't want to go back fishing again. I just want to follow you. I just want to follow you. That's the key. You need to come every day. Every day. Every day. So let us come daily and boldly to the throne of grace of our, of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. That grace not to go back. That grace to meet that expectation. It is when we come that we get it. 
But if we don't come, if we don't come to him, we will go back to that life again. The temptation will overcome us. Before you know it, that thing you said, I don't want to do. You go back to it and start doing it again. The key is coming to him every day. That God, I need grace again today. Thank you for the grace of yesterday. But no, you have to give it up. No backup plans. No recreational visit. It has to go. To sustain that, you need to come every day and ask him for his grace. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, it seems you have set a high standard for us. Which is very obvious that we cannot meet by ourselves. It is impossible. But you have also made provision for us to meet this standard. Which is amazing. Lord Jesus, we want to beg you. you want to, we, we love you, just like Peter said. Lord, you know. You know we love you. You know we love you. You know we love you. Help us to meet this standard you've set. That we give it all, everything. No backup plans, no recreational fishing trip. We just let everything go. After you visited Peter in John chapter 21, when he went back again, thank God you delivered him. From that day, he never went back to sea after that last encounter. You helped him. He didn't go back to fishing again. Lord, we pray you can help us too. That we won't go back to this life. The life you have told us, you have to let it go. God, we beg you that it will please you to help us. That all those things you've delivered us from, we will not go back to them. That we will follow you every day with joy. That we will not follow you with grumbleness. We will not be grumbling behind you that, look at this thing that I'm doing. So I don't understand. We will enjoy following you. That we will love you more and more to give you everything. That even though it is enjoyable, our past life may be enjoyable, we might like it. But you have said we should not go back to that again. Lord, we just want to beg you today that you will help us to live the life you want us to live, the life that pleases you. Help us to walk with you daily, every day, every day, taking up our cross and following you. Because you, you yourself know what it means to be human, and you can help us. Lord, these are prayer this morning, these are cry that you will help us. Thank you, Almighty God, for we have asked and received in Jesus' name. Amen.